Well, hello and welcome to another episode of The Genius Podcast. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called The Genius Project. The heart of The Genius Project is very much about resourcing Catholic women for growth, both professionally and personally, to become the fullness of who God created them to be. Now, we've all heard the catchphrase, the feminine genius. And every single one of you has a genius of her own. Yes, in your femininity, but also in who you are as a unique and unrepeatable daughter of God. And our heart at The Genius Project is that women will connect with their unique gifts, their strengths, their genius zone. Then activate those gifts in service of the world and the people that you do life with. In order to serve this vision, we have launched a number of initiatives which have all kicked off this week, which is very, very exciting. So we've got the launch of the Genius Project website, and I really encourage you to head on over and take a look, www.geniusproject.co. There are so many exciting resources on there for Catholic women. There's books, there's quote cards, and there is a huge range of online courses. And these are super, super exciting. So you will find courses here on how to develop your gifts, how to step into your purpose with confidence, how to kickstart an idea and get a passion project off the ground to actually make a business out of it. There are also courses on discernment. How do you know the path that God is calling you to? And much, much more. So head on over and check out geniusproject.co and we look forward to connecting with you. The other really, really exciting news that we have is the announcement of the Genius Project live virtual event. Now, you do not want to miss this. This is an event like nothing anyone has seen during covid It is much, much more than just another boring Zoom where you passively absorb information. Uh -uh, This is going to be highly interactive. Earlier this year, I ran a number of online virtual events for my husband, Jonathan, speaking to Catholic teachers in the United States. Now, these were a huge hit because of the platform we're using. And this platform has not been used in the Catholic space yet, so I am really, really excited about it. It's really dynamic, super engaging. And of course, we'd all love to meet face to face, but in the event that we can't, this is the next best thing. So please head on over to the website, go to events and register your ticket. There are limited places. There's only three weeks to go. You don't want to miss it. So head on over to geniusproject.co and book your ticket today. So today's genius guest, I just love this woman. Her name is Therese Nichols. And she is an entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, and a creative director. She's also the founder and the director of One Plate. She is vision-driven. She's a creative professional with expertise spanning public relations, strategy, team leadership, event management, business development, stakeholder engagement, marketing campaigns, brand awareness, public speaking, project and campaign management. Therese has worked for local and international organizations in the fields of communications, events and TV. Her love for food and travel were all the necessary ingredients she needed to unlock her entrepreneurial spirit in 2015 and start an organization called One Plate, a charity that partners with foodies, restaurants and cafes across Australia 
to fund sustainable food projects in developing countries. Therese brings so much wisdom and knowledge to this space of being a female Catholic entrepreneur and she is very much a kindred spirit. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Therese. Well, Therese, it's wonderful to have you on the Genius Podcast today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always good to talk to you. I know recently during the first lockdown, we did the Searching for and Maintaining Inner Peace podcast series with Sister Mary Helen. That was a lot of fun. Oh, that was so much fun. I loved doing that. So it's wonderful to be back. Thank you, Karen. Well, I'm stoked because... Today's conversation is all around being a female Catholic entrepreneur. And I think this is one of the things that bonds you and I together, very much kindred spirits in this area. And and so this conversation is going to be a lot of fun and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But I was wondering if you could just share, I guess, just to begin with a little bit about yourself and then we might move into looking at your business that you've created. But just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, so I am from Victoria and my background is in public relations. So I study PR, but before I studied PR, um, I had a thousand ideas of all the things I wanted to do. (laughs) Uh, I was never short of a dream or of an idea, which was wonderful, but the pitfall of that was it was hard to decide what to do. I wanted to be everything from a fashion designer to an interior decorator to a lawyer. I wanted to design my own perfume brand. I wanted to be a traveler. Oh my goodness, (laughs) Um, that's huge. I I know. I had so many different thoughts and ideas and dreams. And I remember I actually discovered the career of public relations when I was in year 12. And as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, that sounds fantastic because I could do PR for the Australian Ballet Company or PR for a perfume company or a fashion house. So I was like, I could do all of that and just do PR <laughs> and do events. And I was like, oh, it was so appealing. But I remember well before I even discovered PR, I remember actually writing in my journal, it was when I was year seven or eight, saying I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And ah. I don't think I really even knew what that meant properly, except that it was all about creating, vision, dreaming, and um, building something. I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. So I've always had that seed in my mind. And I think, you know, it's, I suppose it's in line with my personality of dreaming (laughs) and creating. So anyhow, I chose public relations, uh, went to uni, studied PR, worked in PR for a couple of years for different organisations and ended up in Europe for a couple of years and I worked in London um, for two years and I I did land my dream job working in PR for a perfume cosmetics company. Oh, Um, awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Fun. (laughs) I was like living all my perfume dreams. Um, (laughs) What's your favourite perfume? Oh, I've got a couple but I do, I really love Chanel Allure and Chanel Mademoiselle. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. You're a Chanel girl. I am. I am. And actually I was working, my PR job was um, working in the marketing department for Estee Lauder. And on my first day, I walked in and I was wearing Chanel Allure. Oh no. And I remember (laughs) the marketing director, I walked in, the marketing director sat there and said, 
who's wearing Chanel. Really? Like, oh my goodness. You picked it. 101 rookie mistake <laughs> wearing another perfume in a different fashion, um, a different perfume house. Oh, the that's next hilarious. day I walked back into the office not wearing my Chanel and sitting on my desk was this big box of all these different Estee Lauder perfumes. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and they Wait. said, where do you? Now <laughs> you're like that's a score for me no problem <laughs> I know I wish no any day <laughs> oh that's um, classic okay so. so yeah so I worked there for a while and really really enjoyed it and loved it but at the end of the day I would walk out each day and as much as I loved it and all of the everything that came working in something like that it at the end of the day it did feel superficial I, it didn't give me that purpose and meaning that and that I was looking for yeah so yeah a few things led to different things and I ended up working for Sydney World Youth Day in the comms department which was wonderful for a couple of years yeah. and yeah and a few different areas but predominantly my background has been in PR comms events yeah and and business. Yeah, fantastic. And I think, you know, when we're talking about all of those skills that you have, like now you've brought them into your own business, your own company that you've set up, which is really exciting. And I think one thing I'm noticing around the globe is so we're seeing a real surge in female Catholic entrepreneurs. Now, I don't know about you, but when I started out, there wasn't really any role models or any women in this space building their own business or building a brand. It was, I started out, I think 17, 18 years ago when Jonathan and I set up our own company. And there really wasn't a lot of people who were doing that in, in, I guess, the space that we're in now. But now you look around and on Instagram, there's this surge of female Catholic entrepreneurs and it's exciting whether they're creating online businesses or women who are just starting to think outside of the box. And I think that's really what an entrepreneur is, someone who creates and thinks outside of the box, people who are wanting to make a difference and bring to life an idea, like basically just co-creating with God, right, and and bringing that's right. beautiful, new and outside of the box into the world. And so mm. personally I love the business of business. I think if we talk about genius zones where people are operating in the height or in their gift I think for me it is around business I, I love anything to do with that the whole entrepreneur space really excites me and so mm. I know that's the same for you and, and you have founded an organization now called One Plate which is just incredible and produced this stunning, stunning, stunning cookbook. So can you share with the listeners a little bit about, I guess, how One Plate came about, your vision for it and where it is at the moment? Yeah, um, it was five years ago. I had just started a new PR role actually and I was um, settled and based in Melbourne after having lived in um, Europe and North America and Sydney for a while. I was sort of just settling back. And I was, uh, I was, it was Easter and I was back at mum and dad's. It was Easter Tuesday morning. Dad and I went to early morning mass and then went out for breakfast. And we were sitting at breakfast and just, we weren't having a deep and meaningful conversation, but just out of the blue, my dad, who's a deeply spiritual man, mm, he's said, beautiful. I love Therese, him. <laughs> yeah, I know he's, he's amazing. And he just said, 
Therese, I think you're meant to go to Manila. And I'm like, what? Really? Manila? <laughs> I'm just Why? settling back into Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, where did this come from? Do you mean Paris? Because <laughs> I'm a little bit more like <laughs> the Paris. Paris. <laughs> I'd rather go to Europe. And dad, I just knew in that moment that the Holy Spirit was speaking through dad, that it was one of those God moments. And I was like, you're right. I meant to go. And I said, I won't be able to go until the end of the year because I've just started this job. And dad said, it's too late. You need to go sooner. Wow. And I just knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. So in a nutshell, I got on a plane three weeks later and went to Manila for four weeks to volunteer at a foundation that cares for street children. Yeah. And it was a really hard four weeks um, for a number of reasons because I was out of my comfort zone. But what was the most challenging was the suffering of the children mm-hmm. that I saw, mm-hmm. thousands of children living on the streets who are ju- who some are orphans, some have been abandoned by their families. And once they're on the streets, they get involved in child trafficking and child prostitution mm-hmm. and drugs and alcohol and just hearing these children's stories and what they've gone through from like babies and seeing two-year-olds living on the street, it just it completely broke my heart. But this mm-hmm. particular foundation, I was so inspired by the couple and just their entrepreneurial spirit in starting this foundation 20 years ago and how they open their doors every weekend and they invite 500 street children in and they provide them lunch and wow. they just don't give them lunch. They throw a party and they play games and they give them clean clothes. And um, during that time, they needed more help to serve the lunch. And I thought it would be like a soup kitchen where the children stand with their bowls and they're served rice. But instead what they do is they transform this room into a dining room. They place tablecloths. They decorate the tables. They set every meal place. And then they plate up every meal individually like a work wow. of art, like it's yeah. a five-star yeah. restaurant. And I was out the back helping plate up 500 meals and my role was to put the tomato sauce on the chicken. So I was just like (laughs) putting like these like little drops. And um, the owner, one of the owners um, came over and he said, oh, no, do it in a heart shape or a star. Hmm. Make it beautiful because we want these children to feel loved. Hmm. And it was in that moment it just struck me of how in those small little details of love that it gives the children so much dignity Mm. and how for these children this meal beautifully served on a plate shows them that they're loved because most of that week these children are they're eating food out of rubbish dumps out of plastic bags out of the gutter on the streets but for the one meal that week that's served on a plate that's like a work of art the way it's all plated up is it gives them this moment of love and dignity. And so I was standing there and just taking all of this in and hearing these children's stories and seeing this meal served on a plate. And I started thinking back to our food culture here in Australia, how we love going out for breakfast and lunch and dinner and brunch and drinks. And we're living in this golden age of the foodie. Hmm. But I was thinking you shouldn't feel guilty about that because it's actually a beautiful part of the Australian culture, it builds friendship and relationships and community. And even more so this year that we've had in lockdown, particularly in Melbourne where cafes are closed, we've seen how important it is um, and how vibrant it is for the fabric of our community of creating relationships. 
And so I was thinking we shouldn't feel guilty about that. We should feel hopeful. But how can we tap in to this amazing culture that we have to help these children? And so it was actually whilst I was in Manila, I was in a chapel, I was in adoration and I was kneeling there writing in my journal and it was like God took my pen and Mm -hmm. wrote the idea of one plate because as I was writing it, my brain didn't actually catch up. Like I didn't know, I didn't like register it until after I read what I wrote. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Thanks a lot. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. But basically it was the idea of one plate. I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could partner with foodies, restaurants, cafes across Australia, they choose one menu item. And each time that menu item is ordered, a dollar is donated to one plate and we use that dollar to fund sustainable food projects. So I came back to Australia and um, started creating the business plan of this charity, One Plate, and I knew that I didn't have all the skills to build a charity, Mm -hmm. um, that to do it well, that I needed to get people on board who have got skills that I don't have. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most powerful things is building a team and having co-founders. And so I asked a few friends to come on board who've got skills that I don't have. And three friends, Kat, Josh and Regina, who I've been really good friends with for years. And I just told them this vision that God had given me and this idea and asked them if they'd want to come on board and to think about it and pray about it. And they all said yes immediately. And I was like, really? Sure. (laughs) Yes. I was like, great, let's start. And so we built one plate together and yeah, so basically in a quick nutshell to, so the listeners have a bit of an idea, one plate is now we have, our whole goal is to help and serve children in Africa and Asia who have been living on the streets, children who have been abandoned, orphaned, children who have been trafficked, child labourers, and teaching them how to grow their own food and empowering them in growing. Um, we have sustainable farms and rooftop gardens, teaching the children how to grow their own food. So we've got 18 projects now in um, the Philippines, Cambodia, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda and Congo, and we're about to do a project in Tanzania. Wow. And then in Australia, our whole goal and philosophy is around hope, not guilt, and to celebrate our vibrant food culture mm. um, by tapping into foodies and restaurants and cafes and through that um, being able to fund these sustainable food projects in developing countries. Yeah, that's amazing. I just can't believe how far it's come in such a short time. It's, it's just, does it blow you away? Do you know what? It felt it's so the idea was five, yeah, it was five years ago yeah. and we officially launched four years ago. The last, up until January this year, the last four years, I felt like it was a snail pace. Okay. And I was working so hard and just like knocking and knocking on doors and trying. It felt so, but then I felt, actually it was November last year, um, there was a pivotal moment where yeah. I felt like the brick walls came down and God's grace just flowed and everything just started opening. And now I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, I can actually yeah. see how far it's come. Yes. But um, I didn't see that um, yeah. during those first four years. And, and <laughs> I think it's, it's a hard slog, isn't it? I know we were similar. I mean, they say that most small businesses fail within the first five years. And I think for me, that was something to hold on to, that those first few years are really about sewing. You don't reap mm-hmm. a lot. 
because it does take a lot of work. But I think that sort of like bridges into, I guess, the conversation that you and I are going to have this morning in this podcast is focusing around, I guess, advice and and hacks for people who feel that they have an entrepreneurial spirit and they have a dream, but they don't know what to do with it or where to go with it. And I know in my own life, I am approached by so many women asking that question, like, how did you do what you did? How did you get to where you are? And this is the thing, like we go through those hard yards like you've just described in those first four years. And sometimes you don't actually realise that you have something to share that could help others along the journey. But Mm. I guess this is the area that I'd love to jump into is looking at some of the tips and hacks and then the pitfalls that we face as female Catholic entrepreneurs in whatever area we find ourselves. So yeah, Yeah, definitely. You picked up on one when you were talking about building a team. So that's Mm. obviously one, but I'm interested to throw it to you, just some hacks that you can offer women in this entrepreneurial space because you've learnt, and I have too, so much that sometimes, I know Jonathan has this saying, he said, you can either learn by a gentle word or a piece of two by four, meaning you can learn by someone else's experience and wisdom or you can get hit over the head with a piece of timber over and over again (laughs) until you finally get it. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it would be great to just share some of these hacks and tips. Yeah, no, I'm yep, more than happy to share everything that I've learned. And my guess is the listeners um, who are listening to this today, there's probably two types. There's the women who are entrepreneurs already and know their dream, know their vision and may have started or may not have started. Mm-hmm. And then there's the women who feel like they don't have a dream and they don't have a vision. They're like, I don't even know what I would do, even if I wanted to do something. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I hope some of the tips and hacks that I share can feed into both mm-hmm. um, both types of women. Um, but I think the first thing I w- wanted to start off with is this thing of knowledge um, isn't equal to growing, that we can listen to a thousand podcasts and read all these books and listen to people, but we actually don't grow and um, develop if we don't put it into action in Mm -hmm. some way. And I think for me, like I I do listen to a lot and read a lot and I can easily absorb all of this, but if I'm actually not practicing it or putting something into place daily, then it actually just becomes knowledge. It's it's not actual action. So the action part is really key. But I'll, yeah. I'll, I might start off with the dream and vision first because this might just tap into the women who are like, yeah, I'm interested in this field, but I don't even have a dream. I don't even mm-hmm. have a vision. And, um, I think there's two types of women. There's the women who have a thousand ideas and dreams yeah. um, and it's exciting but can get lost in the I don't even know which one to choose and then can get distracted and not focused and not even start because they're lost in all of their dreams. Yeah, which is probably more me. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's more me. And then there's women who are like, oh, my gosh, I can't even come up with one idea. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So um, my first thing is I think it's really important that um, that we pray and become women of vision. Mm-hmm. That we are and know that that whether you feel like you have a vision or not, you are a woman of vision, and to believe that and to begin by dreaming, and all of that begins in our imagination. Mm-hmm. And our imagination is such a beautiful gift from God. 
and to start imagining what you what you would like to do. Start, and I think one of the best ways to do this is to start writing. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I started to do was I just had a little book by my bedside, and each night I would just write down ideas and dreams, and and it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be starting a charity or starting a podcast. It could be. Um, I have an idea, I have a dream, I would like to just start playing tennis or um, I want to learn how to cook or whatever it might be. But the more you start writing these ideas down, it starts to activate um, your brain into starting to think and imagining. And then from that, as you get into that practice of writing ideas and dreams, and these may be things that you'll never do, but it starts to activate that practice in your mind and buried deep under there is a dream there is a vision there is something that will ignite your fire that will ignite you and sometimes we're like layers of onions it's hard we need to peel it back to find it amongst all the smoke screens but I really encourage people to start writing every night just write down ideas write down dreams and and somewhere it might take a few months, it might take a few years, but something will actually emerge from all of that rubble (laughs) and you'll see something within that. So that's probably my first thing is to become a woman of vision and to know that you are a woman of vision now um, and start imagining, start dreaming. I I think also like, for example, like mums, I often am really conscious of young mums who are, you know, in the trenches of motherhood, raising a family, and they feel like they've let go of their dreams and or that they don't have any anymore. But I think this applies even to them, like writing down what is your vision for motherhood? What is your vision for raising your children and your family? Uh, I think it's just so important that just because I often see this with mums where they feel like their life is on hold, but there's still vision in motherhood. There's still that ministry there. There's a role of leadership and being an entrepreneur in the family as well. So I think that's really, yeah. really important. And the other thing as you're talking about writing it down, I love the scripture from Habakkuk 2.2 that says, write the vision down, make it plain so that he who sees it can run with it. And that's what mm. you're saying, that when we just letting things flow, that process of letting things flow out of us and, and seeing it on paper, then you can collate, I guess, themes and things that seem to work together. And that's a clue to moving forward, as you say. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of that step of a bit of self-discovery of when mm. things don't necessarily aren't clear because yeah. you know, it, sometimes it is hard to get clarity. And just on your point about mothers, particularly mothers with young children, I mean, it, it would be hard to get clarity when you've got your lack of sleep, you haven't been mm. sleeping, you're trying to raise um these little toddlers and to focus on your dream seems like nearly a luxury. Um, But I think one thing is we're we're so blessed in this day and age that our, our world is set up and structured for entrepreneurs to thrive. And there are so many resources out there and so many um, apps and different things that it's actually not, that hard to begin something because there's so much support there to, is now. to do that. 
And I think particularly with mothers, like it's easy when we say the word vision and entrepreneur and dreams and starting something that our mind goes immediately to the big, Mm -hmm. then we suddenly shut down. We're like, I can't even, I can't even think of that. It's too big. So that's why I really think um, starting with the small, because it's the little things in life that determines the big things. Absolutely. And so in you're in the midst of chaos and raising your family, perhaps it might be just one little thing that you really enjoy. Perhaps it's, I don't know, perhaps it's playing the piano or perhaps it's baking. And perhaps you've got this idea later on, you could start a um, cookie company and start baking and selling your cookies. But that's just too overwhelming to think about at the moment. But just by practicing your art of baking for family and friends, they're just, it might be a little thing every day, but that's determining perhaps a bigger thing in the future years down. And I think great opportunities often disguise themselves in the small tasks. Yes. So in, it's in the daily that, you know, those small little things in the midst of the busyness of everything else that can actually determine those greater things. And for me, like I, I really love that quote um, by John Maxwell. He said, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret mm. of your <clears throat> success is found in your daily routine. and. I read that That's a couple a of years ago and it really struck me because I do think our daily routine and our daily habits, actually, they define our character. It's those little things that we do every day that nobody else sees, but ends up being being a great thing. It's the, our character is the sum total of our habits and whether that's being you know that being in the habit of kindness every day the habit of integrity like it's something that we have to constantly um practice and repeat and you know these are skills that we need to master um but it's that consistency and being diligent every day in what we choose and decide and so I think that goes into one of my other hacks which I made a decision of a couple of years ago was developing a morning routine which I actually now call a ritual because mm. I like the word ritual more than a routine yeah um and so my morning ritual is so important it's got my morning routine isn't um it isn't working on my business and charity or anything it's completely it's spiritual it's exercise it's praying But that's so pivotal for everything else in life, whatever that might be, whether that's family or friends or health and wellness. And so I think developing a morning routine is absolutely key in bringing clarity to our dreams, but also activating those dreams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people have the luxury of having a morning where they can put a long period aside and some people don't have the luxury some people might have 5 minutes because they're being they haven't slept all night and then they're being woken yes. by a, a toddler um so whether it's an hour or whether it's 5 minutes i think it's really important to um to to use just whatever it is you've got and it could be as simple as the ritual of making your coffee in the morning and just having a few minutes to yourself or you might be you might have the luxury of time and you can actually utilize and make the most of this time while you've got it um, to really develop a solid morning ritual because that really it sets up the day and it becomes your habit which does define your character over time and so 
and, and yeah, it could be it could be the smallest things, but I think to always remember those little things in life determines the big things, and it's that consistent practicing them every day, mastering those small little things um, that determine how our dreams are played out. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. It's funny, during COVID, you sent me this beautiful self-care package and it has this gorgeous mug in it. And so every day, this has been become my new ritual, is to have a cup of herbal tea in it at around morning tea time oh. every day and just take a moment. So, yes, I'm connected with you each day <laughs> for up a prayer yeah. in one plate. But it's, it's just those little things that actually make a huge difference I have found just having that moment the break from work looking at the sun sitting in the sun yeah just the little things it is isn't it do you know it's it's funny you say about the mug I've got this mug like there's so many beautiful mugs out there but I've got this mug and it's so plain but it's like my morning mug and there's something <laughs> so comforting and it's the smallest little thing but there's just like little things like that or whether it's a particular beautiful candle that you love and yeah. just lighting that each morning and saying a scripture. It's just those little things each day um, yes. that you can develop. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely, um, that's really important. I think the other big thing, I mean, uh, there's a few more things. Um, no, that's good. So you've, that, you've done two hacks. So is this the third? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Look, this is not in any order. But no, it doesn't matter. We throw <laughs> them all in. They're awesome. <laughs> we okay. can dance around them all. So the third hat. All right. Tell the me. The third one I would say is to step out and do it. Yeah. I think it's really important to just take the risk and start. And this is a big thing that I'm learning because I. I think I have discovered that and something I'm trying to work on is that I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I'm waiting for the right, the right environments to get all the branding right, the logo right, the name right, get everything in place and then do the launch and start. But I've realised that um, and something that I want is I want freedom over perfection. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's so important, well, always it's important just to begin and try it and it's okay to fail and not to be fearful of failure. And I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks and pitfalls um, of women of vision and dreams who want to be entrepreneurs. We have this, we have fears and those fears might be we're fearful of failure or we might be fearful it might be perfect, it might be fearful that we're inadequate, that we just don't know or that we don't have, we've got undeveloped skills, we don't even know how to do it we don't even know how to run um the finance side of it like for me that was that was definitely my thing like I'm not a finance legal person I'm more the creator creator I'm like how would I do it um so that's where it's stepping out and going okay I'll ask this person to help me with this that's why the collaborating with people is so key but I think and I think I might have actually said it in one of our other podcasts. One of my favourite quotes is from St. Joan of Arc mm-hmm. when she said, act and God will act. Yeah. And so often we wait on God and we wait for a sign and we wait and we wait. But so often I think God is actually waiting on us. And that becomes an act of faith. That's, that's faith. We step out in faith mm-hmm. and then God comes in 
and he starts to act because he sees how much we want it. And so I think that of just taking that risk of stepping out and trying and often we discover our gifts and we discover our talents through trying. We don't discover our gifts and talents by sitting on the couch going, should I or shouldn't I? We discover our gifts and talents by getting in the arena and having a go. Absolutely. And that that becomes freedom. And that's that's where we discover freedom over perfection and we realise, okay, that didn't work, but I learnt we learn our greatest lessons through the things that don't work out or through the failures and through the suffering. That's when we really, um, when we learn. And so I think partly it's overcoming some of our personal roadblocks of identifying everybody's roadblocks and pitfalls will be different. Um, And I think it's becoming self-aware of what our ones are. And I think often, I mean, I think four of the top pitfalls and roadblocks that people have um, in starting something or following their dreams and vision is um, the first one would be other people's opinions, Mm -hmm. worried about what other people think or taking on other people's negativity or criticism or someone might say something like, oh, no, I don't think that would work. And it might be in good intention, but we take that on in our subconscious and we're like, oh, yeah, they could be right. So it's having that confidence of like, no, I... I have this passion, I have this desire and I'm going to give it a go. Mm. So I think that's one is taking on other people's opinions. I think number two would be um, our undeveloped skills of thinking I don't have the skills for this. Mm. Like I don't know how to be a business person or I don't know how to do this. Mm. Um, that can definitely be a roadblock. But I think we can have confidence that there is so much resource out there. Um that we totally. can upskill and we can learn. And outsource. Like you were saying, building a team. Like I've, I know this in our business, like the areas that we're not strong in, we outsource. So you can yeah. bring other people in or you can build a team and and that gives you the whole package. And, yeah, Karen, that's such a great point because then suddenly what gets really exciting when you start outsourcing to other women's businesses yes. and then we're supporting other women in business and we're collaborating and we're partnering and I get really excited about collaboration and partnership because I'm like oh this is what um we're first of all co-creating with God and now we're co-creating with our sisters in Christ and we're building each other up and we're encouraging we're supporting and that's when I really see grace start to flow Mm. and so yeah outsourcing is fantastic um And then the third, one of the third roadblocks is fear, which I mentioned before, of um, fear of our own inadequacy, um, fear of the unknown, fear of how it's going to work out, fear of failure. And then the fourth one I think is um, is stress. Mm. Um, Stress uh, and overwhelm. Yeah, that whatever current situation we're in, we're already stressed. So we're like, I can't even deal with starting Mm. something else. Stress kills off creativity. Yeah, because we can't create something beautiful in a state of stress. Mm. We're just like, um, we're in survival. I think they're like the four common, and I'm sure there's probably others, but yeah, everyone's so different. Mm. And I think it's something that to really take to prayer and to become self-aware of what are my roadblocks, what are my pitfalls, because as soon as we become aware of them, then that's when we can start growing because we're like, as soon as we're aware, we're like, okay, I can overcome this. Um, So, yeah, that really leads into that third point of um, the hacks of just trying 
just get out there and give it a go and yeah. test the market. So I call it um, a low pro, um, a low cost probe test. Mm-hmm. Of um, it doesn't have to cost much. You don't have to start a website. You could just float the idea with a few people, start an Instagram account, and just get a bit of a idea of what the market's like. Like start to dabble and. Yeah you might have this great idea that you want to do and you start to dabble. And when you start to just give it a bit of a go and test it in the market, you're like, actually, this is not what I want or this is not going to work. Yes. But through trying it, you pivot and you're like, oh, there's another idea. And you're like, that's going to work better. Yeah. And then it changes into something else. And I mean, that sort of happened a little bit with one plate. Like our original business model was, um, we'd partner with cafes and they would choose one menu item and a dollar from that will be donated to our projects. Doing yeah. that for a couple of years, um, the dollars were trickling in, but it wasn't it wasn't really flowing, it wasn't working. So I spent like a bit of time like looking at other business models and we tried a few different things and they didn't work. And um, now we've done this cookbook and it's like, it's stunning. It's so beautiful. I'm going to have to I'll post it all over Instagram when we launch this episode, but it is really stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah, so that idea didn't come when I started One Plate, no. but I'm like, oh, this is like five years later. I'm like, this is where actually One Plate's at. This is the jackpot. Yeah. So it took five years to get to that point. But um, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't try the other ways to do it. So, yeah, big yeah. tip is just get in the arena and have a go. Just and give double it a go. try. Yeah. Yep. Low cost protest. Yes. And I think that's it. I mean, when I started the Genius Project, I did exactly that. I started an Instagram account and I'd recorded a few podcasts. And I was thinking secretly, oh, it'd be great to just get a couple of hundred followers. And people laugh at me because they know I'm not a big social media person. But they it just started it just exploded. Every day it was just climb upon climb in terms of followers. And I realized there's such a need in the hearts of women, I think, to be given permission. Firstly, to be given permission to dream and then for people to say, you know, to get behind them and encourage them and support them in that dream and activating that dream, making that dream, taking it from an idea and then turning it into something that's that's an actual real thing, whether that's a business yeah. or a ministry or just in the family. But I realised through launching the Genius Project and, and we're nearly up to 2,000 followers, which blew me away because I was thinking I'd be happy if there was 200 at the start. But yeah. it's, it's not so much about followers as it is about there's a need. And it's about mm-hmm. if you have a passion and if you're interested in an area, I think if if you want to step out in that, it's also looking around you saying, where is the need here? So it's finding the need in whatever space you're drawn to. So for example, when we began our first company, Choices Media, that was in the area of sexuality formation of young people. We'd studied at the John Paul II Institute, we'd worked with young people. And then we just started this business. Like looking back, it was insane. Jonathan's background was boys ed. Mine was as a registered nurse. And then we started a media company, which is just like so different to what we trained in. And we just started. We started giving school seminars and parent nights. Then we started producing resources. And now our resources are the go-to resource 
in Australia and, and a lot are used in the United States and the UK in terms of sexuality, sex and relationships, puberty education. So it, it, you're right, like what you start with is not necessarily where you end up, but it's about understanding what your gifts are, your passions, your talents, and then looking at the need in the world and then seeing where there's a match. Absolutely, yeah, because you're, um, you're, if you're trying to live in someone else's dream or doing something that doesn't resonate deeply within you, then it, I suppose it, you'll end up burning out. Mm. I think it, a few key things for an entrepreneur is um, the entrepreneurs that I have been following and I have um, been working with is some of the key traits is a deep passion for what they believe in. They're so passionate and that's what gives them perseverance and resilience because it is hard work. It's it, Nothing is, I know this is so cliche, but nothing is an overnight success. Mm-mm. We see these great things that come out like um, whatever it might be, but it's usually years and years of hard work yes, every day to get to that point. Yeah. And so, um, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs because they're not, um, they're not back, backed by a company who's paying their weekly wage. There's there's a bit more pressure, mm. but what will get them through? What will feed that perseverance and that resilience and the proactiveness is that deep passion within them and that why of why they're doing it. That there is there the why is so strong, the passion is so strong, so it just keeps them going when you know when it's hard. Like for me, it, you know, it has been hard over the last few years because um, you know, none of us get paid. We're all one hundred percent volunteers, and I've been doing it full time, and so yeah. it's there's been a lot of strain and stress around that, but. Because my why is so clear and my passion is so deep, that's just giving me the perseverance to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you understand that why, it does help you tackle the big and the small steps. Like it it helps you filter through what what you are meant to do and what step to take next. I think that's very important, that picking up on the why. Why do you want to do this? What are you drawn to? What are your gifts that will make a difference here? What's the need in the community or the area that you're drawn to? And I think understanding that yeah. and having a crystal clear idea of your why is really important. And I, earlier you picked up on just women who might not even know what their dream is. I would say to those women, use the seasons because life is all about cycles and seasons. We all go through summer, winter, autumn, spring in our life. Like we... Uh, marriage, business, all of it is just a constant sort of dying and being reborn in a way. And I think the season of the quieter season where you you don't you've got a sense of wanting to do something, but you don't quite know what it is, is the season to sow knowledge, to sow skill, to just sow into yourself in a way. I know when we lived up in North Queensland, we were living and working in a boys' boarding school for a couple of years, and we just kept getting these words from people that we would work with young people. Now, anyone that knows me, I was just never going to, that was on my never-to-do list. I was never going to do public speaking or work with young people. So the irony that that ended up being what we did. But I remember just having this, it was really, it pressed in on my heart, just this is an area we were being called to, but I felt so inadequate because it was, I had, 
didn't have any confidence, didn't have any skills. And I remember coming across a quote from Abraham Lincoln that said, I will study and prepare myself and perhaps my time will come. And so I then threw myself into this season of learning about relationships, relationships education, and then the time came where we moved to Melbourne, studied at the John Paul II Institute and set up a business in relationships education. So I think I'd say just use the seasons, make the most of those quieter seasons. Yeah, I think that's so absolutely key. There's a quote by Vincent van Gogh where he says, I dream my painting and then I paint my dream. Mm. And I love that. And it, it, it directly links in with those seasons that, yeah, your, perhaps your season is dreaming the painting. You're not painting yet, but you're, yeah, it's the dreaming of it. And it's a, yeah, that's a really pivotal time of that. It's actually one of the most blessed times because I remember when I came back from Manila and I was in that process of sort of putting one plate of the dreaming side of it. It's actually a really special time because once you're in the action mode and the doing, it's um, it's, it's another, it's a, yeah, it's a totally different season. So there is such a blessing of being in that state of receiving and growing. Is yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, but I, I think just leading on to another another learning that I've really learned, particularly through one plate, um, particularly in the last year, is that. It's not, I think one of the pitfalls actually of entrepreneurship and business is we are always looking at the end result, the goal, Mm -hmm. which is really important because you need the goal, you need the end result and heading towards that. But we can we can become so focused on that that we miss out on the joy of the journey. Mm -hmm. And what I really realized is the path of an entrepreneur and the path of starting a business of bringing a dream to life, it's actually not what you get, but it's who you become in the process. And it's actually the process is the prize, not the end result, that we can become so focused on the end result and how it turns out. But it was actually the whole journey to that point, which Mm -hmm. was the most important, which is what we became how our character was built in the mm. midst of that, how we treated the people around us, how we cared for the people around us, how we brought and supported the people in on that dream around us and encouraged them and how our relationship with God grew in the process. Mm. And so, yeah, I really do believe it's who we become, not what we get, and that it really is that the process is the prize, that the prize isn't necessarily the end. And yeah, that's, yeah. And it brings a lot of freedom within that. There's a, there's a great sense of freedom within that. Yes, there is. And I think you pick up on something there. It really is what makes female Catholic entrepreneurs stand out apart from, I guess, all the other entrepreneurs in the world is I guess our focus. Like, why are we doing this? Well, I think one of the reasons that you know, female Catholic entrepreneurs stand out. One of the points of difference is that they put their faith first and everything is done through the lens of service rather than achievement. And so what you're saying there about the journey is so true because if we're operating out of a worldly view, it's like how much money can we earn? How popular can we get? You know, what success can we have? But when we're coming from that place of 
deeply operating from our Catholic faith in this space of entrepreneurship, we're coming at it with a heart of service. So how can we serve? And that's what you're saying, the process and the journey. How are we serving and blessing others along the way? And how are we giving value? How are we creating a positive impact in the lives of those that we interact with? Absolutely. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, our our dream, our vision that God has placed in our heart is our contribution to the world. Mm. And we are called to be women of love and of light and bringing that light into the world and bringing that light and being that beacon of light, which is our contribution to the world and that can be realised through these dreams, isn't always that one big end result. It is definitely the process. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the process of that. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely key of, yeah, how how we serve people in and contribute because all of this ultimately, yeah, is at the service to others. Yes. And also to bring glory to God. So we're not given these gifts so that we can look good and so that we can get bazillion likes, but we're given these gifts so that, like you said, we can co-create with the Lord, bring something of beauty, truth, and goodness into the world that reflects his image and his likeness to glorify him. That's the whole point of what we do, and we can never lose sight of that. Absolutely. That's right. Because yeah, it's he who has given us everything. And I, for me, like something that I really always keep on my heart is uh, I just, I love, I love the part in the Our Father on earth as it is in heaven. And we are um, part of our our role is to show you, to give people a little glimpse Mm -hmm. of heaven, um, to show them the beauty of heaven. And however that might be expressed in our daily life, whether it's through business or um, entrepreneur projects or family life, it is to show people that beauty of heaven and, and we glorify God through that. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Therese Nichols. You can check out her organization, oneplate.co on Instagram. And I really encourage you to take a look at the cookbook. It is the most stunning book I've ever seen. It's absolutely beautiful. I think deep in the hearts of all of us is this spirit to create and to bring new things to life. So that might be in the corporate space. It might be kickstarting a new business. Or it could be your vision for making your marriage and your family something that is really magnificent. I think sometimes we can get confused when we hear entrepreneurship. We think this is doing some big grand things on a huge scale. But that's not necessarily the case. If you have an entrepreneurial spirit, you can use that in your family. You can use it in your church community. You can use it in your neighborhood. But whatever you do, you need to use it. Because when God has gifted you, He also calls you. And so our heart and prayer for you is that you will come to a clearer vision for what it is that God is calling you to do with your life. Now, if you need some help doing this, I'm just going to brag a little bit and encourage you to register for the Genius Project live virtual event, which is coming up in a few weeks, the 12th to the 13th of December. And I promise you, this will be an event like nothing you've experienced this year. So head on over to www.geniusproject.co and go to the events page and book your ticket now. Places are limited. And trust me when I say, 
You don't want to miss this. So until next week, God bless you and have a really beautiful week.